Filmmaker Commentary Episode 9. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we give you insights from our favorite filmmaking commentaries. These commentaries can be heard on your DVD and Blu-rays of your favorite movies. We'll show you how you can use these commentaries and apply them to improve your video production and filmmaking techniques. All of this here on Filmmaker Commentary. I'm your host, Reginald Titus Jr. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Filmmaker Commentary. I'm here again with special guest Casey G. Smith. Welcome back. Hello, hello. Good to be back, Reginald. So, fresh off, you know, weekend of watching Black Panther. I know, forever. I know before, uh, the, you know, we've been away from the show for a while. You know, it's been like a couple weeks so we had a, a movie that we're working on and that has mm-hmm. since released, and we're also working on um, releasing in other markets, so we have been busy with that, and we will fill you in on that on another podcast called Natural Hair the Movie, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but, you know, we're back to this, and I think in the last episode, I talked about, hey, I'm going to be watching Black Panther, and now we have watched it. Uh, real quickly, what did you think about it, uh, Smith? Man, Reginald, so as you know, I've been waiting for Black Panther for over... 20 years um i'd even posted on facebook an image of a batman figure that i had changed into a black panther figure when i was in sixth grade back in the 90s so uh this film without giving away any any spoilers even though you know a lot of people have seen it at this point uh it's just wakanda is a place i love to to hang out mm-hmm. at um i've seen the movie three times i plan on seeing it a, a, a fourth and, you know, hats off to Ryan Coogler, to Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, Denai Guerrera, Daniel Kaluuya, Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> you hung uh, out with these people for real. <laughs> you know, I've been watching so many interviews, man. I, I love this cast. Yeah. Um, not only for their talent, but their poise and just being just wonderful ambassadors of of goodwill, mm-hmm. um, of people of color, of actors and actresses and professionals. Um, I just, I love just listening to the interviews. I listened to an interview with Michael B. Jordan today uh, with GQ Magazine mm-hmm. that I highly recommend. It, it was with the, the British version of, of GQ Magazine. Okay. It's about an hour long. And you just really. He was on the cover, his, wasn't he? Um, I think so. Okay. I mean, in that particular uh, issue. But he went in deep in his mindset and his his thought process as a leader and things mm-hmm. that he wants to do to reverse engineer the Hollywood system and and ultimately provide more opportunities for people of color and, and diversity and women. It was just top notch. But yes, love Black Panther. What about you, Reginald? Uh, I feel the same. You know, of course, we went to see it the first night that was on that was a Thursday, right? Oh, yeah. And then um, going, you know, brought my son with me, and he it was cool just to see the film through his eyes. Uh, what this film is for him is basically what Last Dragon was for me growing mm. up, you know, and being able to like have something and uh, see yourself on the screen. So he he, he was very very um, I don't know. Uh, he said it's his top you know on his top list of films. That's beautiful, man. <laughs> That's beautiful. And then I uh, took the wife out to see it, so and she enjoyed it as well. And yeah, it, it's definitely up there. And it's got me thinking about, I was like, man, uh, I want to look at uh, 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 Ryan Coogler. You know, he's got two films before this one, right? He has Creed and Fruitvale Station. I haven't checked out Fruitvale Station because at that time I wasn't watching films like that. Sure. Um, but I did check out Creed. And Creed is like, have you seen Creed? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Me and my wife were in the in the uh, theater watching that, and we're both looking at each other like, ah, like who's gonna cry first? Mm. <laughs> you go. No, you go. No, you go. <laughs> You're right. So it, uh, he he definitely knows how to weave in a, a real human story, and Creed felt very black. Mm. You know, it, it just it did. You know, you can tell when it's coming from from either when someone's writing, they're a woman, or if they're uh, black man you can tell it's weaved in the story even though it's one of those franchises that, that kind of got started getting cheesy he was able to flip it and make it and, and bring it back down to reality and so Coogler and I think in all of his films they 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 have a personal thread with mm-hmm. within them and they have um, 
yeah, just uh, something personal he latches onto. I think he may have said in an interview that with that with Creed, yeah, that's even it's even hard for him sometimes to go back and watch Creed because he partially it partially I think uh, deals with him and maybe his relationship with his with his father or something to 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 that end. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a lot of uh, personal connectivity with him in that in that film, um, and the fact that he pitched it to Stallone a couple of times. Oh yeah. Before they even I didn't know this, but Michael B. Jordan was mentioning in that interview that before they had even um I think shot Fruitvale. Right. Like they had pitched it to Stallone and you know, I was like, yeah, you know, I wasn't that sure. And then they, they finally went and, and did Fruitvale and obviously got the accolades from that mm-hmm. and, and that, that that warmed up Stallone to to the idea of revisiting the franchise and um I mean, you know, earned earned him an Oscar nod. So for wow. best supporting yeah. actor. Yeah. I hope they don't destroy that film. Oh, uh, the sequel? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a little a little nervous about it. But at least at least Kugler will be a um a producer on the project. So hopefully mm-hmm. he'll help steer it. I think that um I think that with Michael B, you know, Jordan involved and, and him him knowing the character of Adonis, mm-hmm. um I think I think they'll I think they'll I think they'll do all right. Because it was a risk to even bring back, you know, okay, this is Apollo's son, and now with the sequel, they're they're kind of bringing back, you know, you know, Drago and and, and Drago's son. Well, I'm like, oh, okay, I can see what that maybe tie in. So we'll, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They might need to leave it alone. I don't know. Nah. Creed was a risk though. When when I first heard about it, I was like, really, Apollo's son? You know, and initially mm-hmm. when I heard about it, I was like, I don't know about this. Right. And. I saw the trailer and I was like, I'm in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm in. I see it. I see what he's doing. Okay. Oh, yeah. But definitely, man, you get a chance to check out Fruitvale. You got to let me know what you think because that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, and Kugler and, and definitely inspired me. You know, looking at my own work, I was like, okay, where do, you know, I draw my inspiration from? I know uh, for the last project, it's uh, been for the African American woman. And I have a lot of ideas with that as well because, you know, you got to make sure the women are right and, you know, to get the men in line. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's really got me thinking like, okay, how I'm going to put my own personal perspective on whatever story it is because if you're going to hang out on, with a project for a year or two years, you know, there's got to be something that's going to keep you there. Oh, yeah. Because I know without the project we're working on, without that, I probably would have quit, you know, or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'll be easier to quit, you know, sure. it'll be like, you know, let's try something else. Um, but yeah, having a personal attachment to it, I can see how important that is. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. So, yeah. So, I'm, you know, thinking about checking out Creed after we get done with Ridley, uh, going through Kugler's um, um, portfolio, his body of work so far and breaking some of his stuff down. Only three films, man. And dude has just been knocking it out of the park man yeah. i mean just his his progression is 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 so nice like he didn't go from one major mm-hmm. one you know indie film to all of a sudden the huge marvel movie he had time to do creed in between which was a nice stepping stone right and then bam black panther it's like yeah that's a nice progression and the action yeah well i ain't gonna even get into creed but uh just the presentation of that one was just dope, you know, cutting from when he's about to box. And then you see the actual real boxers, like in real life, and you see their statue. Like, wait a second. This boxing thing is a little more difficult than you think. You know, I guess some of the other Rocky stuff, it kind of looks kind of like cheesy or like anybody can box or something like that. Just work right. out hard or whatever. But it's like, no, wait a second. <laughs> it ain't that easy. And I like the way that they presented that. Yeah, when you see the shape that. Any actor, when they do a boxing movie, mm-hmm. the shape that they get in, whether whether it was Stallone, you know, when you see him in Rocky three and four, it's like just like just ripped up, you know. Same with Michael B. Jordan. Same right. with Robert De Niro. Yeah. Um, same with um, Miles Teller. He did a boxing movie. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal when he did Southpaw. Like right. they like the conditions they go through. Yeah, uh, in right. Hurricane, like they just get in just just ridiculous shape. Will Smith, you know, with with Ali, I mean, That's they just right. get in ridiculous shape. Um, but I think you know we also have to give a shout out to to Kugler's um, his cinematographer uh, mm-hmm. that he's worked with, uh, and that young lady. She's uh, she worked with him on Creed and also on Black Panther. I don't I don't know if she was with him on on Fruitvale Station or not, 
But um, I mean, she's obviously they met up. at Sundance, right? Is that where I think met? that's where their connection started at Sundance. Okay, because I know she's up, obviously for uh, um, she's the first female cinematographer to be up for uh, an Academy Award for her work on on Mudbound on Netflix, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is you crazy. seen it? Have you seen it? I did. Is it yeah. good? Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I initially started watching it uh, maybe a month or so, and it was, just wasn't the right time. Uh, and then I, I watched it about three weeks ago, and yeah, yeah, it was it was good. It was it was it was very enjoyable. She was on uh, was it KCRW, and she was just talking about this how you know how how raw it was to shoot you know in an environment like that. Um, but there was a personal connection with the material, so that allowed everybody to like just stick it out. Mm, I think uh, if I, I'm saying her name right, Maurice Alberti. Does that sound right? I don't know. Looking on IMDb cinematographer, so I'm assuming. I so, don't know. Assuming I have the right poison. Uh, it's been a while since I watched a, went to the theater and watched the movie more than once. Even Get Out only saw it one time. So that, that, oh, wow. that's really saying something. I want to go back again and then go on, I'm going to go back a third time. I mean, obviously Black Panther's doing amazing things. My mom went and saw Black Panther um this past monday mm-hmm. my mom rarely goes to the movies rarely and i told her, you gotta let me know what you think and as soon as you're done she gave me a call and said it was amazing i was like whoa <laughs> my mom said black panther was amazing that just that blew my mind uh, i thought i thought maybe she'd say oh it was pretty good no it was yeah. okay no she said it was amazing i'm like wow this this is this is something special this is truly something special Oh, and it's it's uh, Rachel Morrison okay. as a cinematographer. Well, she's you know on on Black Panther, so it, it may have been a different cinematographer on on Creed. So sorry if I got that mixed up. So we're gonna dive right into Prometheus. Prometheus budget 103 million bucks, made 403 million at the box office. Of course, they've they've done the sequel because of that, which is Alien Covenant. What was your initial response when you saw Prometheus for the first time? Because I believe you told me about Prometheus. You saw it first, and then, and then I later on saw it. Yeah, so I saw Prometheus in the theater. I remember seeing the previous four, and I think I, I had just really started to uh, get into Alien and, and had watched, you know, gone back and watched the original and, and, and Aliens. And so when I heard about you know, there being a prequel, Excuse me. You can see some of the the callbacks that they were making. So when I when I saw the theater, I I, I enjoyed it, man. I mm-hmm. really did enjoy it. For some, it's it's a little um, divisive. Okay, and that's that's fine. Again, it's on you, not not on me. Um, but I I I enjoyed it. Um, and again, it has some similar beats to the first Alien and and Aliens. It's different because whereas Alien are a group of totally unqualified people going to check out a distress call and aliens is a a group of like the best of the best these space marines going out to investigate now we have a group of highly qualified explorers archaeologists and scientists Mm -hmm. going out to explore but you know in result it never ends well uh at the end of the day it never ends well um and and the themes of 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 origins and 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 and, and genesis and and who are our creators like going back and exploring those those themes and and the, the why why would these engineers create us and um would would they approve of their creation are they happy with their creation are they angry with their creation and just that that curiosity uh, to 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 explore your 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 your, your origins, kind of harkening back maybe a little bit of Black Panther, but just uh, I love that theme and and seeing where the the aliens slash the xenomorphs where they may have come from, and and harkening all the way back to you know the space jockey uh, mm-hmm. in in the very first one to go back to that ship. I loved it uh, when I when I saw it in the theater. I was like, this is fantastic. So yeah. how about you, Reginald? What did you think when you saw it? First impressions. I wish I could have seen it in the theater, um, knowing that he shot this one in 3D, right? He did. And I would just remember when I watched it, because I think at, I was watching a lot of stuff in DVD standard definition. So this was the first Blu-ray that you let me uh, watch uh, mm-hmm. of it. And I was just like, 
what? Seeing like just the high definition and how pretty it looked. It just it just looks awesome. That's what that's the thing that I take away from it. You know, now I'm looking more into the story because you know going back to Alien and watching Alien Covenant. Now I'm following the story more, but I just remember just being looking at the visuals, being like taken aback by those, seeing the engineers and how they look. I'm like what what is this? <laughs> Mm-hmm. dude's drinking some stuff at the beginning and he throws himself in the pool like what is this mm. because i don't have the background at the time didn't have the background of alien and what, what they're trying to do with the story so i'm just like being taken along for the ride i think everybody said at the, at the beginning that first opening scene like what the heck you know because that that was all that was all new like wait, what why is this dude sacrificing himself and I don't know turning into a bunch of blackheads? Like what? what, is, what is yeah, going on I was like, this is weird. But yeah, that's what I t- the, the color palette that he used throughout. I was just like, this is like just beautiful the way it looked. Even after watching that, I didn't want to go watch Alien or any other films. But um, but after um, watching it again recently, that was the first time I watched. it. After wa- uh, watching it again and studying more about Ridley, he is. He is just a master director. You know, he, he knows what he's doing. Um, he uses, he establishes the world with these big flying landscape images coming in. He's really, he's really putting you in that place. And I guess Prometheus, he said, is like a metaphor for challenging God. He did. Uh, and it actually goes back to uh, some of the, the, the Greek mythology, Greek or Roman mythology, and that Prometheus was a... Uh, he was a demigod who defied the gods, and they they punished him by. Uh, I guess Zeus punished him uh, by. Uh, I think he was maybe strung up on on a tree or something like that, where his uh, organs, his entrails, were were eaten by ravens every day. But then they would regenerate back the night that that night, only to be eaten again um, the next day. And again, there are themes of. Again, questioning your creators throughout. Ridley, he said this isn't a sequel or a prequel, but the DNA of the Alien movie is in it. What do you think about that statement? I, I can see what he means by that because it, it is. Well, I, I say it's a prequel. I'm sorry. I it, I, I believe it, it wholeheartedly it is a, a, a prequel uh, just set further back. Just like the, you know, in Star Wars, you had your prequels. Um, they tie in, even though. Uh, what I found interesting is that it's a different planet that these things are happening happening on. In, in this uh, movie, okay. the planet is called uh, LV-223. And then in Alien, uh, the, that planet is called LV-426. So that's super nerdy that I, that, I, I jotted that down. But that, that's <laughs> it's two different planets. Yeah. Um, and I, I, f- I found that um, I found that interesting. Uh, that is, you know, separate separate planets, but uh, but yeah, this is definitely a a prequel. Uh, they try to say they, that it's, it's it's two pieces of the universe that run parallel, but I'm like, uh, I mean, you got the space jockey, so right, that's that's prequel. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? I was torn, I, and then too, I didn't see, I haven't seen Alien Two or Alien Three, uh, so I don't know. But after seeing, you know, Alien Covenant, it's like. I didn't know you saw Alien Covenant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. So after watching Alien Covenant, I was like, uh, it kind of is a prequel. Yeah. I think he was just talking. So mm. really, he mentioned at the beginning that it took, you know, at the time that he was um, doing the commentary for this movie, it was like two and a half years ago. He didn't have a story. He didn't have a script. But it's pretty fast considering he didn't have all that two and a half years ago. And after us, you know, finishing up a project that took about three years, um, Mm-hmm. That is a feat considering the scale of the production. That's true. I think uh, they may have spent maybe um, maybe six months or so working on the story, um, and they they had a a, a young man, uh, John Splates or Spates, John Spates. I think originally worked on the first couple of drafts, and again they had you know the kind of this writers' room. They would come together, and they would meet pretty much daily and they were spitballing ideas and really was highly in, involved with that. And he was constantly giving Spates notes and recommendations and, and Spates would go back and change. And, and, and it really, again, he's a, he's a, he's an artist, you know, he went mm-hmm. to art school. And so he's constantly sketching things out and he's very clear in his vision. And as they got closer to the time of uh, having something to pitch, that's when they, they brought on another, another writer because Spates was, was, uh, you know, in, in essence uncredited. And they, and they told him from the oh, beginning that, okay. uh, we're probably going to bring on another writer towards the end, just who has, you know, a movie to his credit. 
um, uh-huh. to to help with with selling it to make the studio feel more comfortable. And that's and that's what they did. And they brought in um, uh, Damon Lindelof, who I think he really helped. I think he re- he really he really helped form and push the idea of the of of questioning the creators that that uh-huh. aspect. Um, in addition to exploring the origins of the alien itself. And that's where it kind of began to shift from being just an, an alien origin kind of film to the origin of human species so that they could be kind of this more uh, relatability factor. I like how, um, and I, I see other filmmakers doing this, where they'll throw in, like, find a way to kind of throw in, like, some of their favorite films or whatever. And I haven't seen Lawrence of Arabia. Have you seen that film? A lot I of filmmakers talk about it. I got about halfway through. Yeah, it's like, like, <laughs> I, was like mm, I need to revisit it. I was gonna be real. I need to revisit Lawrence of Arabia. It just wasn't the right time. Sometimes, sometimes it's not the right time. Uh, it wasn't. I wasn't in the right headspace. So. I know what you mean. I, there's plenty of like older filmmakers, and they'll, they'll they'll reference some of these films. I'm just like, nah. It's a long one. That's why it's like a, uh, okay. almost like a three hour. It's a long. It's a long film. Yeah, okay. but people, man, people swear by it. So, I, yeah, I need to give it another go. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, I feel bad as a filmmaker not not watching it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to take time out and purposely just like, okay, let me, let me go ahead and take the time out and do this thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like how he put uh, that film in there and seeing the replicant or android or whatever David is um, watching the film and emulating some of the things from the film. And I, I liked his explanation behind it that as the world would progress and if you would have this this vast amount of time while you're in hyperspace and, 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 and the humans are uh, in cryo, um, that you'd want, you'd, you know, his, his brain being able to, to access, you know, just countless amounts of information, but still would be able to, to sit and enjoy what would, be, what would be considered some of the best of mm. art. Mm. Uh, and, and cinema and Lawrence of Arabia apparently being one of those things. So yeah, when I remember first watching this film, um, just having like, this guy just hanging out and doing, you know. And then you find out, of course, later that he's not human. But that was some of the thoughts that were going through my head, and that was intentional. Absolutely. One of the bullet points I have is um, to help you guys out as filmmakers is um, in a, in a film you have certain seeds that you plant in a film that end up growing later on to help you fully realize an idea. And one of those is the living quarters of not the captain, but his, um, what's the old man, uh, Wayland, Wayland, what's it? Wayland Wayland Mm -hmm. Industries, the CEO. Um, At the beginning, of course, he, you think he's dead or you think he's just somewhere else. Definitely not on the ship. Uh, But when um, you see the living quarters, that Vickers Vickers is living in. Uh, you notice that there's like books there. It's real elaborate. There's a piano there. But if you remember, and I think it was Alien Cup. Was it Alien Covenant? When it opens up and there is a piano that David's playing on. And yes. And so you you see that piano is there. You see the books around, and you and of course this uh, one of the astronauts, uh, the astrologist. She astrologist. Um, she talks about. Why is that uh, the that medical device there? You know, she mentions that. Mm. Uh, so she's starting to ask questions um, about that. But the seed is like, there's a reason why it looks so lived in. And we discover that later on in the film. Exactly. Yeah. And, and really said that the some of the best seeds are ones that you, you plant early on. And that the people forget about. Yes. And then when it comes back, you're like, oh, yeah. Another point I have is uh, uh, you can use images to tell more about a character without saying it directly. So when they're in that living quarter and they're talking to Vickers and you see behind her, you see the snow falling in the background on the little uh, image in the back. Um, And he says she's like a chilling character. Or um, later the image switches to uh, wheat blowing in the back so it was like kind of reaping what you sow and so oh, wow. he's throwing and i didn't catch that but i did kind of when the winter when it was coming down i did catch that you know like okay she is kind of a cold-blooded kind of person but Definitely. when he switched over to the weed i didn't catch that one uh, i think you know even you know from the imagery but also and even some of the, the the subtle actions the fact that when you first see vickers everybody else is puking their guts out from yeah. coming out of cryo and she's doing push-ups you might. <laughs> 
wait, what? Who is this person? You right. Know, that there's just something, just even in in their in 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 her wants, desires, and and, and needs like this 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 need to be like almost better than everybody else, or or to at least come across tougher than everybody else. Like, what is this character's motivation? Like, what what do they have to? you know, to prove that they would be like that disciplined, you know, and not, not trying to connect with the rest of the crew, just, but like do my regimen and then get dressed and go forward. So yeah, I was telling about her from the get go. Um, another point is, um, how Ridley uses the walking transmitters. So you have like these characters that are in the boat. You have the captain, you have Vickers, um, I forgot the Asian guy's name. Um, what his role was in the film, but they're in the actual ship while the astrologists and the geologists while they're out exploring this land. And so he uses uh, technology, those transmitters, to kind of give the captive characters something to react to. And that's a way to keep them in the story um, and to illustrate that to the audience. Also, uh, really, again, he, he said in his previous one, but um, you have to have a vision, of course, and you have to say exactly, I want this. And you have to be kind of like stubborn about it. Oh, one of the one of the things that I jotted down that that really said, um, in addition to having vision, is that uh, at times you have to say, shut the F up. Um, and, you know, I mean, really, he's, he's up there in, in years. And I think he's kind of <laughs> at that, that point where, you know. He's not going to have much of a filter, even in the behind the scenes stuff when he's when he's right. giving direction. He's just, you know, just just being forward, blunt, you know, cursing and just saying, all right, this is what I want. No, no you're going to have a night. Bring it down. You know, he's just like just, you know, focused in on, on that direction. Uh, and he also mentioned that uh, he still gets questioned. Mm-hmm. Right. He mm-hmm. says, you know, though I have movies in the Library of Congress, usually I'm, I'm still questioned either by people who are inexperienced or who, you know, are just stupid. So, um, <laughs> but he works through it, right? He he works through it all. I like um, in in the story how he gives reason because when I'm writing, like you know, in my script and writing some things, and you got to figure out how to put somebody in a certain situation, and how he he has to get these people to take their helmet off to show that it's safe. You know, the atmosphere is fine for them to take their helmet off. Cause later on and that helps out in the story. Why, why are these people still alive? You know, the atmosphere should have killed them. Mm. Um, but I don't know if that, if it was a good reason or not. Do you have the one astrologist that just, just takes the risk and takes his helmet off. And then all the other people like, Oh, it's safe now. Let me take my helmet. I don't see everybody doing that, but heck no. <laughs> heck no, we are on a alien planet, and you can't tell me they didn't have horror movies where they came from. You know, uh, you can have instruments, you can have all the technology in the world, but this brother here, my helmet is not coming off. Like you don't know what kind of diseases or, or whatever might just be out there. I, mm, nah, nah, nah. Just doesn't make sense. You should have thought about that a little bit more. You know. Uh, especially uh, when you see the holograms of the people, uh, the engineers running. Like I bet they were wondering, like, where's that helmet at? Um, <laughs> um, I do like the practical effects that they have in the the film. The um, uh, there's like the part with the little snake thing. What is that called? The the snake that wraps around the dude's arm and like breaks yes. it. What? And so it's it's like a reptilian kind of creature. And again, it's a pre it's a precursor to the face hugger mm-hmm. and watching the behind the scenes Reginald of how they, uh, of how they created it. And you know, it, you know, when it, when it, it, it wraps around the guy's arm and then <laughs> it breaks his, you know, he's like, Oh, it's tiny. It's tiny. Get it off. It, <laughs> it just snaps no. his arm. Uh, they put a, um, they made him, they made a mold of the guy's shoulder and they made a, a totally mechanical arm. Mm-hmm. And then they, um, they put the, the reptilian creature, or, or, you know, they had it wrap around and, and they used wires and they had it constrict. And then, you know, the, the joint of the mechanical arm could, you know, hyperextend and they just, they would just, you know, run through, you know, different scenarios. Like, I break it, break it just <laughs> again and again. Uh, and yeah, then it would switch horrible. to CG where it would, no. So then, um, Fi, what's the, uh, what's his, is the dude's name? Fifield then tries to cut it off and then the acid, you know, comes out of yeah. it. It's on his helmet, and and then it, but then it goes into uh, the other guys. It goes into his suit, you yeah. know, and then into his helmet, and then into his mouth. Ah, 
Oh, man. But I like the writing, though, because it gave them a reason to wander off by themselves. Like, hey, I'm I'm out of here once they find the dead engineer or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they don't find their way back to the ship. So that kind of gives us that drama there. How did that guy later on in the film, how did he become, like, super strong all of a sudden? So, uh, Fifield, the the redhead guy? Yeah. So when he... um when the when the acid from the reptilian creature when it when it's when it sprays onto his his helmet it it, it you know, melts the front of it and it starts to melt onto his face he falls down into this black goo which is like you know the, it's it's more just kind of biological uh, bacteria infestation and that begins to infect him and he 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 begins to transition that's why his head is all deformed mm-hmm. uh, because he's he's partially becoming an, a, a, a mutated alien, if you will. Uh, and they went through a lot of iterations of trying to figure out the right look for, for Five Field, both CG and, mm-hmm. and practical effect-wise. They, they worked on that for actually quite a, quite a bit. Um, they had various versions where he looked more, more even more alien, almost goblin-esque, and, and, and really finally decided, well, no, let's, let's, we've got the actor Sean Harris. Um, let's, let's try to keep his features, and they, they just use the prosthetics and... and uh, continued to to mutate him, and obviously he became otherworldly, and that's mm-hmm. where that that strength and agility, because he all, almost becomes more feral, mm-hmm. uh, and and less definitely less less human and more animalistic. What did the character David? Um, where did did he take some of that goo and put it in the guy's drink? He did, and 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 just in, with in, in relation to David in general, you know, Ridley says that that David literally he poisons. Not only uh, literally poisons, you know, actual members of the crew, yeah. but he literally poisons the movie. You know, kind of every step of the way he is because he can understand, you know, phonics and in all kinds of languages. He's the one that even allows the chamber to open up to, to get to the space jockey. And he's constantly, you know, pressing things and figuring things out. And yeah, he takes a little bit of that bacteria and he puts it in puts it in the glass of Holloway. Puts it in Holloway's glass and 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 literally infects him, which then in turn Holloway impregnates uh, Shaw, who previously you know can't have kids, but all of a sudden is preggers in a day. You know that, oh, that crazy mutated alien DNA. That's gross. But but yeah, um, he is he literally poisons the film. You know throughout. That's terrible. So uh, so he poisoned Holloway with the same black gunk. But Halloway's reaction to it is different, right, than the other guy. He just looks more sick and is about to die. Mm-hmm. Halloway. He gets set on fire. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think because, I think it was the sheer quantity, right? Okay. He's like, you know, what Fassbender puts into his drink is literally like a, like almost the, the pinhead of a needle. Mm-hmm. Whereas Fifield's character falls face, face first um into just a, a a puddle of of that bacteria um mm-hmm. in addition to having the the reptilian things acid on his face so it's like a, maybe a multiple layered genetic reaction uh and yeah so it yeah it 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 goes very differently for both of them not not ending well either way i like how ridley he recycles sets again we we've talked about this in some of the previous podcasts with uh ridley and blade runner especially the first one how he recycles sets. so there was a there was a scene where um it was like a little hallway where they're looking for the two missing astronauts and they just remove just he just removed the door <laughs> just shoots a reverse shot of it and it's a whole different scene the next thing i like there's a scene with uh Who's the lady that plays uh, the other astrologist? That's Holloway's uh, partner. Uh, that is Numi Rapace, who plays Shaw. Shaw, um, the scene, and she's super like in shape when um, she's got to cut that baby out of her. <laughs> she's got to put herself through surgery. Oh my gosh! Just to her physical, the way that she's acting, just her her physical. She really sells it. She does so. Uh... Ridley said that when he first when he first met Numi that he was blown away by her. Uh, he had enjoyed her performance in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, uh, and that she's she's both she's physically and classically trained as an actress. 
Uh, and so she she even said in some of the um, behind the scenes footage that I watched that before scene, she does her physical homework and she does her mental homework mm-hmm. so that when she she gets onto set that she can just let the, the acting, if you will, take over. And, and early on in that scene, when she's when she's sitting there, she's literally just working her stomach muscles. That's wow. like that's all her, like just flexing and, and convulsing and getting her stomach to expand and contract, like like something is inside. Like that's that's her. Wow. Uh, and of course, then they took about a week to to complete the 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 the, the whole scene, but they used a, 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 a not a body double, but a a, a cast and mold of her body that they painted and and you know she was kind of strapped in from the shoulders up you know during certain scenes so they could replicate the 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 cesarean which is just yeah pretty pretty grotesque but practical man all practical and amazing i think i think the one part that was cg was when the the, when the machine is obviously the laser Uh uh, and then the stapling like that's that's the cg part but yeah, they worked that scene. The cutaway shots when when they do the incision and then the little claw, the clamps come in and separate her stomach. Mm-hmm. They cut away to her face and she's like, ah, she just sells it. It's like you feel like she's in pain for real. And I hate movies when the actor say they got their arm broken or something's like jacked up on them, and the next scene they're just like, ah, everything's fine. It's like, <laughs> no, she keeps it. Even like minutes later when she's putting on the suit. She's still selling that she's jacked up, that she just got stapled together. It's like pro wrestling, you mm-hmm. know? What makes what makes any match work between any wrestlers is the sell. If someone's working on that left leg throughout the match, you, you, you need to limp. Even if you win or lose, at the end, on the way back to the, to the ramp, you still got to limp. <laughs> you know, you sell it all the way. And, yeah, Romy does uh, just a, a masterful job of... Of selling and showing that opinion, right? When she's trying to uh, get in her suit, just w- wincing all the way, you you believe it. I like how really he talks about the films that he works on. He said he likes working on the films and he makes them semi serious, even though it's in the, even though it's fantasies, fantastical. That because you do have like science fiction that's just way out there, where it's like, okay, this is this is La La Land, you know, or whatever. Uh, but I like how he can still ground it in some seriousness. And he says sometimes that sometimes when people use like say too much humor maybe in in sci-fi it's maybe because they're they're scared you know scared of 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 getting the audience maybe to to, to buy in uh, or or scared that they're going to uh you know believe uh and maybe that it's it's, it's not maybe grounded enough but yeah i think he does a he does a a, a fantastic job of world building yeah where you know and they they do enough research Yes. Where it's like, yeah, okay, that that seems feasible. And he goes so so far in on the details of the technology that's used and the the feasibility of it all. When you're like, okay, yeah, that that makes sense. That this technology would exist to do this or to do that. Yeah, that makes sense. And for the most part, even the decisions that the characters make, like er, early on when um, I forget who who when, when they when they first come back to the ship and Vickers doesn't want to let them in. Who's the, who's the one that's 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 hurt and or sick that she won't let in? That's Halloway. It is Halloway. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. So. Because they're going back on the trip, I think, to find the guys. But mm, then he's, he gets too sick to think how to bring them back. That's right. That's right. Thank you for reminding me. And she doesn't want to let them in, which is a callback to Ripley. Yeah. yeah. Not wanting to, you know, let the others in. And it's like, okay, yeah, you would have people who would legitimately say, uh, no, we got a protocol to follow. Yeah. <laughs> You're potentially infected. We can't let you in. That's just not going to happen. That's us. Um, yeah. So I, I I appreciate when you have those kind of small details because, uh, hey, sorry, you you might be infected. We got a protocol here. So set you on fire. That's Man. terrible. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, Ripley did. She was like infected with what? Mm. Sick with what? I think that's what she said. But it wasn't a concerned question. No. Oh no. Again, she's cold. Cold. Cold blooded. Um, speaking of which, uh, pre-visualization is important. Ripley, not Ripley, I'm tripping. Uh, Ridley. <laughs> I do that all the time, man. <laughs> I had a note here. I said Ripley. I was like, oh, no, that's that's Ridley. Ridley. Uh, Ridley and Giger were so far ahead in development that it, it made everything easier because they had development money. And so when you have development money, you, you get this money and you get time to, to just daydream and think about the movie and 
pre-visualize it out. What would they say in the behind the scenes uh, footage about their pre-visualization work? Man. So um, the scene earlier that we had talked about with um, the cesarean, uh, with, with, with Numi Rapace, they had, they had pre-visualized that whole scene. And they'd actually done two versions. They had done a, a rated R version and a uh, PG-13 version. The only difference was really the, the, the blood splatter that they kind of went all over. But they had totally kind of pre-visualized that scene. And for some, that's one of the earlier things that they saw. But uh, he actually bought, he, he brought Giger in. You know, actually, this is, you know, not too far away from, you know, Giger passing. But he, he brought him in to be able to look at some things. And, and he, I think he, he may have done a couple of, of, of sketches. And again, they were just trying to figure out how to reverse, engin- reverse engineer what he had done. But they... They did so much, so much pre-visualization and images and sketches. And again, on the on the disc, which I highly recommend if you decide to scoop up Prometheus, if you can find the collector's edition Blu-ray, uh, 3D Blu-ray, it is phenomenal. It is packed with just so much material. And you want to see all of the uh, pre-production work and the concept art so much of it it, it, something that'll really make you appreciate Ridley Scott as an artist because he did everything from just you know quick hand-drawn sketches to like like matte paintings of 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 backdrops and and you're like wow but they just they had that time and that money to just dream and continually create and storyboards upon storyboards so yeah, they had the they had the time, the budget. One of the last points that really had talked about is like story being the hardest thing to do. Um, he really enjoys creating the rooms, the universe, uh, and, and visualizing that. And, and to me, it makes sense why he you know he hires writers. He's not necessarily the writer director uh, that we see. Him being able to hire writers and to get these things complete makes it easier for him to do his job. It's kind of like on the the same path as like David Fincher where. He's not necessarily the writer, but he can just crank out projects quickly. And, um, yeah, I'm interested in checking out some more stuff from Ridley. I like kind of diving in and kind of seeing the difference between these different filmmakers and what makes them tick and and all that. So, I don't know. Might want to check out Alien Covenant. And I've already seen it, but listening to the commentary and seeing how he was able to come up with that creation. Yeah, I, man, I, I don't What do you think about Alien Covenant? Without like maybe going like into spoilers, you know. Right. But what would you think about? But well, this is a spoiler show. We have, you know, we go from beginning to end. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> if you're listening to this, yeah, you're trying to make it. You're trying to figure <laughs> it out. I'm trying to remember my initial response. I actually did like it. I I did like it. Um, I like the continuation. Um, I did like one of my thoughts. Was like, what happened to Shaw? Where is she at? And then they answered that question. Like, it was oh, like, oh man. man, that's David is the, the devil. Mm. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned that because you know by the end of Prometheus, you know, really says that you know that David and uh, Shaw that they've reached kind of an understanding that they kind of need each other and they're trying to they're mm-hmm. trying to go further in and find out about these origins. But yeah, man, in Covenant, David is a monster. Man, he is a he is a monster, man. And even like the kind of little, you know, there's a nice little twist like towards the end, which I, I, there was a little bit of inconsistency with 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 that mm-hmm. because I wondered like you know there's something that should have shown on his body, right? Um, right. That anyway, but yeah, um, yeah, I didn't I didn't catch that one. I was like, oh. yeah, I was like, where where is this thing that happened to him that should have been um, on him, but they really dive deep into the the alien, the alien, the slash, the xenomorph mm-hmm. being a biological weapon. Yeah, you know, like a a, a WMD. You know, literally, these are, are, are weapons of mass destruction for being able to wipe out a city or or or, or a civilization, being able to over overtake that. Um, and then you've got, you know, David, who's like this just ever curious, almost brainiac-esque kind of entity now. Growing curiosity, starting to experiment uh, on different kinds of living tissue. I did enjoy it. You know, some people didn't, but I thought I thought it was a I thought it was a, a, a proper uh, sequel to to Prometheus. Um, but it, it didn't do that well at the box office. So I don't know if we're going to get a third movie mm-hmm. I, I hope that we do I'll, I'll, I'll go and watch it i like to see uh ridley complete the yeah. this trilogy but, but we'll yeah. see i did like the creation you know how he was trying to 
you can see the different generations of the xenomorph that he was making. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, he was operating on these people and doing all this stuff. Like, this guy is just evil. Yeah. And I, I'm trying to remember how he um, got a body again, even. Because Numi wasn't a... She wasn't an uh, engineer, you know, mm-hmm. or, or a robot mix. I'm like, oh, I wonder how... Because he was just a head at the end of Prometheus. So... Unless he instructed her on how to do... So was he... So I, I, it's... Prometheus fresh in my head, so I can't uh, go back that far. My memory's jacked. So was David the one that dropped like all the the black gunk on everybody, uh, all the engineers on that planet? In Prometheus? No, 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 in Alien Covenant. Because oh, everybody's running. Because he... everybody's running. Like, uh... I think that was already done. Oh, they, really? When they got there, uh... I think that was already done when they got okay. to that planet. I think the engineers did that because the uh... the ship in Prometheus mm-hmm. that's a battleship. Right, and those those containers are bombs okay. to to drop on society, um, or either either it was either it was specifically dropped or it accidentally got out. But I think that was already done. I'm gonna have to go back and watch. Clearly, I'm gonna have to go back and watch. Right, right. Because I watched yeah, it last not year. On, yeah, it's not yeah. fresh on my brain. But I'm I'm just wondering again how he got a body again because at the end of Prometheus, he's just a head. Oh, I see what you're saying. I'm like, how did he get a body again? I don't have to go back and watch it, but but I enjoyed it. Uh, I did enjoy it. I'm, I'm actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check it out again. Yeah, after watching Alien, it sent me down this path. Watched Alien, and then we had already watched Prometheus, but then so I had to watch Alien Covenant, but then I had to go back and watch Prometheus so that I could be fresh for this commentary. But um. You definitely have, have to check out Aliens, also. Yeah, that's the sec. That's James Cameron. Yes, yeah, James Cameron. It's it's getting very different from Alien. It is a it is an action. It's okay. an action. Any other directors that you might be interested in seeing some of their work? Because I'm thinking about after listen, looking at Alien Covenant, making changing up. Okay, okay. Um, you know, you always mention Fincher. Obviously, uh, wouldn't mind exploring some of his work. You know, you can go into some of the, obviously some of the, some of the, some of the greats, whether you're talking about Scorsese uh, or, you know, Spielberg. You know, I watched a fantastic documentary. On oh, HBO, yeah, that, it was a good one. And yeah. I was, I was like, I, I was really um, surprised with that and in listening to and watching his, his journey. The fact that he made Schindler's List and Jurassic Park in the same year. Wow. That's those, you talk about polar opposite, man. Like that's. Uh, that's pretty that's wow. pretty incredible uh, but those are those are ones some that come immediately to mind um you know obviously you got you got nolan he's he's got some some pretty incredible that films. guy is on another level yeah but, you've seen but he's up there he's up there with there he's up there with you know spielberg and all them yeah he is have you seen memento, memento? yeah i saw that years ago blew my mind man that that movie freaking blew my mind <laughs> i'm like what how do you how do you even write how do you even write something like that? That's like wow. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, let me see who who do I want to study? You know, of course, you know, going through the Robert Rodriguez stuff, seeing kind of like the Spike Lee, you know. Okay. okay. Um, of course, David Fincher. I definitely wanted to check out Kugler stuff um, and just kind of listen to his thought process. If, but I've never listened to one of his commentaries, so I don't know. You know how talkative it, you know he is, but I know with David Fincher, he likes to give you like visuals and does like the behind the scenes and the documents a lot of his a lot of his work. So I appreciate those filmmakers that purposely give back like that because they don't have to do that. They can just go direct their thing and go on to the next project. And see, my Zack Snyder's like that, and mm-hmm. I, that's why I, I love buying his his Blu-rays mm-hmm. because he he just doesn't do a commentary. He does like just this whole special features sometimes he brings in the other actors and they'll sometimes get up and explain he did it in man of steel he did it with i mean watchman my guy again you know i love watching <laughs> but like the behind the scenes for that it's just so robust mm-hmm. um 300 like he just he's he's generous that way as well just to give you just loads and loads of this is how we set up this shot and why we did this this way um yeah I, again you got me you got me into you know listening to the commentaries and um but yeah, I, I love the major behind-the-scenes stuff too. I think it's time for me to switch up and try to find you know somebody else. You know, I like the I like the real talkative directors. Uh, you know, you, 
like the Kevin Smiths and the Eli Roth, uh, those guys. I just, it's just enjoying listening to them to talk. Oh yeah. Um, so anyhow, I wanted, I wanted to see if there's some more talkative directors out there. So probably time to just switch completely up. I want to look into some of Ava DuVernay's stuff to see it, um, especially some of her early works. I know her first movie, she didn't do a commentary track for it. It was called I Will Follow, and that's one that she distributed herself. I want to look into some of her stuff to see if she does any commentaries or not. You know, I um, recently uh, I listened to the commentary for The Last Dragon. Oh, yeah, $10 million budget. And the director, uh, Michael Schultz. Oh, he's old school, that guy. That dude's he's still putting in work. Yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah. Uh, and I, I didn't realize, I'll be honest, I, I didn't realize his filmography until I was like, you know, let me, you know, I listened to the commentary and he started talking about Car Wash. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, he did Car Wash and then Cooley High, Crush Groove. Like, whoa. He's like one of those unsung heroes. Um, I forget about him too. That's the thing, you know, because I think he does a lot of television now. Yeah. He's done episodes of Black Lightning, Black-ish, Once Upon a Time. He's like one of those, he's just one of those guys that's like historical. Like, without him, you don't have a Spike Lee. Because Spike Lee had to have somebody to look up to, and Spike Lee mentions him. Yeah, he's just one of those gems that people kind of forget about. He got me interested in finding Car Wash. Because apparently, like, they were, like there were, like, scenes they shot in Car Wash with, like, uh, is it maybe, like, Pacino? or What? Yeah, like, <laughs> like there were some scenes that were shot that they had to edit out for for time's sake, something mm-hmm. like that. So it has me interested in going back and finding that, uh, and, and just even mm-hmm. revisiting Car Wash. I haven't watched Car Wash in, in years. I didn't see it as a kid. I used to think it was mm-hmm. you know funny because you know the, the style, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, I want to have to go back and revisit that and hear what he uh, what he has to say. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you for listening to Filmmaker Commentary. Appreciate you, Casey, for getting in on this conversation. Uh, next time, we're going to look at Alien Covenant by Ridley again. After that, if y'all have any suggestions, drop them inside the SoundCloud. I think we've got two more followers. Uh, so, All right. <laughs> one at a time. Feel the show. All right, thank you, everybody. Um, this is Reginald signing off. Take care. <laughs>